This is the 14411, a podcast from the PATV leaders here at Padua Academy in Wilmington, Delaware. Our goal is to tell stories that will inform, enlighten, and entertain our audience. I'm your host, Keely Dugan. In today's episode, you will hear about two local nonprofits, a rock band's reunion, and a state champion title for our high school volleyball team. Christmas is right around the corner, and while exciting, it can be easy to forget that our troops may not get to come home for the holidays. Caroline recently visited a nonprofit organization that ensures soldiers get the gifts and thanks they deserve. Stockings for Soldiers was started 16 years ago by a woman named Judy Travis with inspiration from her son in the military. While he was deployed, she frequently sent him boxes full of food and other items. However, he told her about how his fellow soldiers seldom received boxes. Judy then began to send boxes to more than just her son with the help of others. And it was such a good feeling to know that we brought some smiles to some people who maybe wouldn't ever get anything. So it's, we did that. I did that for 15 months. He was deployed a, a very long time. And when he came home safe and sound back to Germany, I said, yay, I'm done. You know, I, I could stop doing that. Then I realized, no, the troops that were replacing his unit were in the same situation. Maybe they didn't have a family to support them. Maybe they didn't have friends who could buy stuff and send it to them. So I started to continue. I could only do it, though, for one holiday. I couldn't do it all year round. And I chose Christmas because the shape of the stocking is so great. It holds all the goodies that we put inside. The organization has gone from sending just under 300 stockings a year to over 10,000. Each stocking has the soldier's name printed on the outside. Inside, you can find items such as candy, lip balm, toiletries, socks, and more. We're so happy that we can share uh, this project with the whole, all the community. And what we, what we say we do is we send smiles and hugs to our troops to let them know, critically know, that they're not forgotten and we're remembering them. Although none of this would be possible without the volunteers who help out at Stockings for Soldiers, as well as those who donate items for the stockings. One volunteer, Barbara Shinteramini, has been a part of Stockings for 13 years. We started out in a little store, and we used to have sewing machines running, and we learned how to cut the, I learned how to cut the material, and the other girls would sew the stockings. Along with Barbara and Judy, volunteers Mona Koning and Barbara Spall have dedicated vast amounts of time to the organization. Since October, them and others have been helping at Stockings for Soldiers nearly every weeknight and occasional weekends. There are many activities for them to partake in while volunteering. Our primary job is to check every stocking to make sure that it's the right size so that every soldier gets the same exact size of a package. And then I've also worked in brushing and bagging, getting them ready to be stuffed. And we are both also checkers. So every stocking that is stuffed is checked and a book and candy cane and some other items are put in and they're sealed for shipment. I was in sorting, I was in cutting, I was in uh, boxes, tape and boxes. Being a part of Stockings for Soldiers allows one to feel good about the work they are doing. Not only the soldiers, but many others appreciate their hard work and dedication to our troops. That's my payment when I see 
when I see people who are so thrilled to participate in our project and they're so happy. It's just so gratifying when the soldiers come in and say the only thing I received was your stockings and they come in and they help and it's just oh, we all start crying you know we all filled up and but it's so nice to pay it forward. And what is amazing is the response from the public because we have soldiers all over the world in harm's way and it makes everyone feel that they're contributing and it makes them realize that people are actually fighting for us every day and so it is very very rewarding for more information on stockings for soldiers visit www.stockingsforsoldiers.org Lauren DiSabatino, a physical education teacher at Padua Academy, has led our very own volleyball team to yet again another state championship win. For the third time, not only Coach DiSabatino, but the team as a whole worked tirelessly to earn this title. I was able to spend time with Coach DiSabatino and learn about her previous volleyball career and the journey of this year's season, as well as the senior player, Michelle Kazicki and the highs and lows she encountered during the last season of her high school career. Coach DiSabatino's past volleyball career, as well as her previous coaches, have greatly influenced the coaching path she is currently on and the techniques she uses within her own team to ensure that they not only secure a win, but have fun while doing it. I played volleyball for about 15 years, and when my time was up my senior year of college, um, I had been going to school for sports management and I couldn't not imagine um, not having volleyball be part of my life since it had been part of my life for 15 years. So I decided to start coaching and I had a coach in college um, my sophomore and junior year. Um, she was very hard, um, she was very strict, we had to do things her way. Um, and that's not really my specific coaching style, but I did take away from that experience just how important it is to do the fundamentals over and over and over again and have them be done a certain way so that when we get into big time situations, we're able to stay calm and remember the basics. You mentioned how important the fundamentals and basics are to stay calm and play to the best ability. What are the basics you teach your own team and how do they directly affect this year's season? Most of all of our drills that we do um, um, center around being under control um, and then also trying to mimic game-like situations. We just try to think about um, our next opponent and what the things that they're going to throw at us are so that we can be prepared um, in the event that those things happen. We um, started out the season preparing for game one and we kind of went along a little journey which got us all the way to the end and our main goal at the end was to have fun, was to enjoy the experience of being able to play at the Bob, to be able to play in a state championship game um, in front of all of our fans. We talked about what our goal was going to be and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily to win, it was to play like we were winning even if we were losing. Um, and I think from point one until the fourth set, point 25, 
we played the entire time like we were winning we were having a good time it was fun we never really got down on ourselves with winning the state championship two times before how did this year's win compare to those previous times this was the first time we went into the state tournament as the underdogs. Um, before we were both times we were the higher seed, this time we were the lower seed. That felt you know, really good to be able to defeat um, and knock off the higher seed. These girls, these eight, seven seniors have um, really been working hard since freshman year as a group. They've all come a, a long way. They fought hard to get to where they are. Um, it was never really super easy for them and to see them kind of lead their team into this and to end not only at the Bob but with the state championship um, trophy is, was really extra special to me. I then sat down with Michelle Kaziki, a senior player who found that she had been playing with a ruptured appendix for about 10 days. Although devastated she would no longer be able to play with her team, she shares that she felt they were all still doing it together. I went into the hospital and long story short, I had a ruptured appendix and I just would watch all the games on like 302 Sports or YouTube. It was upsetting, but at the same time, like I was just with them the whole time. Like we had done it together. There was a bit of a struggle in the beginning of the season, especially with St. Mark's. So how did you all work to come out strong for the playoffs? How did it feel knowing that this was your last season of your high school career? We definitely like pulled ourselves together and just came really close and completely exploded for the rest of the season. The second half was amazing. And then our last in-season game was against St. Mark's and we completely blew them out of the water, which really like motivated us to keep going. As we kept playing, I just realized like how much I love these girls and how much I'm gonna like miss them next year. My Chemical Romance is an alternative rock band that split up six years ago. Recently, they announced that they are getting back together to play shows all across the world at the beginning of 2020. Robin talked with high school students about the importance of this reunion. On October 31st, the My Chemical Romance Twitter account unexpectedly announced that the remaining members of the band will be getting back together to do a live show in December. The band had been on hiatus for six years, so this news came as a shock to most, but others had believed theories that this was going to happen. Nicole Aranzio, who was a fan back before their original split in 2013, believed in one of the specific theories called the Danger Days Theory. So like the Danger Days Theory, I thought I really believed that one, and I, I think it was more like I hoped it was real, because that the Danger Days Theory is basically where their last album called Danger Days it was kind of like this futuristic sort of theme, and then they were making these music videos that were more futuristic. I think, um, I forget the name of it, but it's like the popular one from Danger Days. They, it was, um, what's it called? Party Poison? That was one of the character names. Yeah, yeah, like it was like, there was character names, but it was like the one music video, it had like the little boy in it. Nana. Was, yeah, nah. it was that <laughs> one, yeah, yeah, Nana, nah, nah, music video. And like I remember, like I remember, there was theories around like that set in 2019. So when they broke up, people thought that Danger Days almost was saying that they're gonna come back together in 2019. Another theory is the Smashing Pumpkins theory, where frontman Gerard Way said in an interview that he wanted MCR to be like the Smashing Pumpkins. The Smashing Pumpkins were together for 12 years, split up, and got back together after seven years. There are more theories out there. One of them being about how they faked their death since the last song that they released was called Fake Your Death. 
There is also another one about how the band skipped its teenage years, since in one of their songs they sing about how teenagers scare them. While the members were away from each other, they worked on their own solo careers, being music, comics, or just focusing on their families. Gerard Way wrote many comic book series, with one, called The Umbrella Academy, being made into a Netflix series. In fact, one of the band's albums, Danger Days, was based on one of his comics, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. Gerard's brother, Mikey Way, who is the bassist, also dabbled in this scene as well, helping to write Collapser. Frank Iero, guitarist and backup vocalist, released a total of three solo albums, and Ray Toro, the other guitarist, released one solo album. Tori Alberti, who was also a fan before they broke up, thinks that this reunion will influence more generations of music lovers. Most people, like, a lot of people in the 2000s really loved My Chemical Romance, and when they broke up, a lot of, like, a bunch of people were really broken about it, and the fact that they have a comeback is really important because like now a new generation will be able to like know who they are and they're not like really dead anymore and the old generation and the new generation would be will be able to like bond over their mutual love though it is unsure whether they will be making new music one thing is for sure the fan base is more than excited to welcome them back i'm really excited for oh i'm hoping there's a live stream because obviously I'm not flying out to California and going to that, but I'm so excited just to like for like merch and stuff, and I'm just so excited for it to come back and be like I liked them when they were a thing, like you know what I mean? Like I'm just so excited and just like because they're obviously gonna have to do like publicity stuff too, so like interviews, like we're gonna get more like interviews and just like more like interaction with them because they kind of just like went MIA for like what, six years? And then now we're gonna get all this stuff and I'm just so excited because it's like bringing me back to like 2013, like how different I was and like everything. The St. Patrick's Senior Center is a nonprofit organization that aims to serve the poor and homeless in Wilmington's East Side. They provide nutritional, social service, transportation, clothing, recreational, and empowerment programs to aid those in need. Meg sat down with the executive director to find out more about the center. The St. Patrick Center aims to create opportunity for self-sufficiency and dignity for seniors and to people who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. I got a chance to speak to Sister Catherine Lowe, the executive director, and she got to tell me all about what happens at the center. Look at the place, it's a big building. And that's because we have four floors, including the basement. The third floor is our food pantry. And that's where all the food is kept. When donated food comes in, when we get food from the food bank, it all goes to the third floor. Uh, the people on the third floor organizes it, separates it, put what needs to go in the refrigerator, freezers, and those places. And as people come up for food, the third floor, the ones that work there are the ones that passes out the food when they need food. The second floor is, which houses two things. Our clothes closet, where all the clothes and items up there are come from donation. People come up there to get clothes. Uh, if a homeless need clothes, they can go up there and get clothes. 
So is our close classes there? We also have our senior program on that floor. And with the seniors, they use that floor because everything is there for them. The bathrooms are close by, that they don't have to go so far. Uh, so basically everything they need is on that third floor as well. They could watch TV, they can play games, um, they could just sit and talk to each other. The whole sense of that is so that these seniors are not sitting at home in their apartment by themselves. Uh, they can come and interact with other people and then go home at the end of the day. Not only do they provide a special place for the seniors to interact, but also the homeless. In the basement is what we call our respite area. That's where the homeless comes. You know, early in the morning, uh, the shelters usually uh, put them out early in the morning. So they just kind of roam the street early in the morning. We're open at seven in the morning. So when we open up at seven o'clock, we have a group standing at the door downstairs waiting to get in. Um, it's for the warmth of the place that they're not out in the cold and the rain. Um, it also gives them something to do. They're currently trying to develop a program so the homeless can keep their minds active and look for jobs on their computers. I keep saying we need to keep their minds functioning, that they just don't come and sit and just veg all day long. Sister then talks about her love for her job. I am a daughter of charity. And I, as a daughter of charity, one of our vows is to serve the poor. So uh, these people are poor and more ways than one. I know people think, well, you're poor because you don't have money. Uh, that's one thing. But they are poor in more than just money. They are looking for families. Uh, some people don't have to be here, but they come because of the companionship they get. Uh, on Thursdays and Fridays, we offer fresh produce for the whole community. Um, they love that because normally they can't buy the fresh produce because it's too expensive for them. And the food we give out is supposed to be a supplement. Uh, they, they might get money once a month, but that doesn't hold them over until the next check comes. So when they get that fresh, fresh produce, um, it makes them feel like, hey, we got something, you know, we can do something. Well, that's all for this edition of the 14411. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we wish everyone a Merry Christmas.